Welcome to Financial Frameworks. Financial Frameworks' goal is to increase your financial decision-making skills, building on what you already know. Our previous podcast focused on linking your overall investment strategy with two techniques for estimating future stock values or prices. Because Financial Frameworks believes in balancing future growth with safety, I'm following that podcast with one that focuses on translating the concept of margin of safety to a set of calculations that you can pair with the earnings tools to fit your overall investment strategy. Today, we'll discuss margin of safety basics, context, then using Berkshire Hathaway as an example, do a margin of safety calculation using two things, owner's earnings and the discounted cash flow model. They sound pretty official and pretty fancy, but they're very straightforward and they're very sensible. We'll also talk about current market issues and, as always, present you with the usual problem and question for you to apply to your situation. Margin of safety. First, let's look at the basics. Benjamin Graham's concept, margin of safety, was articulated in his book, The Intelligent Investor. I quote, An investment operation is one which, upon thorough analysis, promises safety of principle and an adequate return. Operations not meeting these requirements are speculative. So it's sort of like a barbell. Safety of principle on one end and adequate return on the other end. Graham and other value investors look for their margin of safety in either a surplus of assets, which we discussed earlier describing Graham's net-net methods, or in a stock price that's based on future earnings estimates and is less than the market price of the stock today. In this podcast, we'll look at the discounted cash flow method, DCF, for pricing a stock by discounting its estimated future earnings back to today's value. That produces a stock price that can be compared with today's current market price. This podcast will use the method that Warren Buffett has shared in his Berkshire Hathaway letter to shareholders, which was also the annual report in 1986. It's very clear. It's very straightforward, and he uses it. So uh, what better testimony? The concept for margin of safety is very straightforward. A person invests X dollars today in order to get X plus dollars in the future and is reasonably certain that the calculations are correct. So the question is, how do I figure out or estimate with some confidence what a stock will be worth in the future and what is a good price to pay for what it costs today? To answer that question, a person calculates or estimates the future value using a clear, unambiguous formula. So in short, you and I want to invest in a company that will create future earnings that are greater than today's earnings. They have to grow at a rate greater than inflation, and they also have to compensate us for any risk and also return a profit. So we will be using two tools. We'll combine them. Buffett's version of owner earnings calculation. That's how we figure out what the earnings are. And then the discounted cash flow method, which takes those earnings out into the future and brings them back to today in today's dollars. So here's the steps. So we start by calculating earnings. We'll call them free cash flow or in Buffett's terms, owner earnings. So let's quote Warren Buffett from the 1986 
letter to shareholders. Owner earnings represent A, reported earnings, plus B, depreciation, depletion, amortization, and certain other non-cash charges. That sum less C, the average annual amount of capitalized expenditures for plant and equipment that the business requires to fully maintain its long-term competitive position and its unit volume. Our owner earnings equation does not yield the deceptively precise figures provided by GAAP, G-A-A-P, Generally Accepted Accounting Principles, since C must be a guess and sometimes one that's very difficult to make. Despite this problem, we consider the owner earnings figure, not the GAAP figure, to be the relevant item for valuation purposes. All of this points up the absurdity of the cash flow numbers that are often set forth in Wall Street reports. These numbers routinely include A and B, but do not subtract C. Again, that's from his letter to shareholders in 1986. So before moving on to the calculation, let's look at what Buffett thinks is important. Capital costs. You and I know that in our homes or in our businesses, we have to replace things because they wear out or they become obsolete or something better comes along, but we have to repair things in order for our house to maintain its safety or for the boiler to keep functioning or in a business, uh, the roof needs a replacing. Uh, oil is getting more expensive, so maybe we'll look at solar. Whatever it is that keeps the business competitive and functioning, that's common sense. What Buffett is saying is you have to build that into your operating financials and in your principles. It is simply a way to do business. You can't starve the business by not including capital expenditures when you're planning your business and your earnings for the future. Okay, so we've agreed that owner earnings is where we're going to start. That's the basis for calculating future earnings. What are the questions involved? How much do we think earnings will grow in the future? The way I do it is to use companies' past performances as one piece of information, industry trends as another, where we are in the business cycle as a third piece of information, and then read a lot about the specific company to get a sense of their position in today's business. We've used Delta Airlines in the past, and Delta is a good example. Where are they in the airlines business compared to Southwest or American? You want to see what the competition is doing. You need that because the rate of change in the business world occurs faster and faster. Peter Lynch calls this understanding the story. You buy a stock when the story is good, and you watch it to see how the story changes, whether it gets better or deteriorates. We come to a conclusion of what we think the growth rate will be. For our example today, I will probably use 10%, but let's go through the rest of the numbers. Second thing we do is we decide on a discount rate. At what rate will we decrease the value of future dollars back to today's values? The factors that I always include are risk, inflation, and costs of funds. And then I select a number that allows me to make mistakes in those estimates. I've picked a number that when the numbers go up and down, I've accounted for that, or I'm not too far off in my estimate. 
The third thing we do is determine how far into the future we want to calculate. Buffett does estimates for 10 years, he says. He adds the proviso that no one can predict out 10 years. I understand that. That makes sense. But if I use a time period like five years, that seems to be too short a timeline. And since I want to attempt to account for variations in growth and variations in inflation, I want to select percentages that will accommodate misses both high and low. The great golfer Ben Hogan used to say that in a round of golf, and he won some pretty big tournaments and was a superb golfer, that he only hit one perfect shot every round. The rest were either misses or near misses. So applying that principle, I will use a 10% factor for growth. Maybe the stock will grow higher than that, but I'll use 10% because there will be some low years. For inflation, I'll use 4.5%. It's running higher than that today, but we're looking out 10 years, and I think that inflation will be reduced. So the next thing I do is I go to the Berkshire Hathaway annual report. I used the annual report for 2022 for these numbers. So the first number in owner's earnings is the net income. And I am removing a distortion from what's reported in the 2022 Berkshire Hathaway annual report because accounting rules these days require to show market adjustments to securities, either losses or gains, even if the securities were not sold but the market value of them changed. So in the fourth quarter of the annual report of 2022, Berkshire Hathaway showed a $67 billion paper loss on securities, which produced a net income of around $25 billion loss. But that was all paper. That And our objective here is to figure out what the business earned, what the operations produced for earnings for that time period. And this is an investment. It's all on paper. The stocks weren't sold. So I am excluding that from my calculations. So if you listen to this podcast and then go look at Berkshire Hathaway's net income statement, you would see a big negative number and I'm using a big positive number. Well, I'm doing it with some intelligence and with some sensibility. So because I have not included that loss, I'm also not including an $8 billion tax credit that shows up on the 2022 income statement. So that's an explanation of what I'm doing here. So now let's run down the list to calculate owner's earnings. Net income, 35.46 billion. I add depreciation, 10.9 billion. I add change in accounts receivable. It's a negative 5.6 billion. I add the net change in accounts payable plus 2 billion. I'm supposed to add in income tax, but I'm not listing that. Then we add in the maintenance and capital expenditures number, and Buffett would like it to be a five-year average. So the five-year average for Berkshire Hathaway's capital expenditures is $14.45 billion. So I add in that negative number, and I come up with owner earnings of 28. 464 billion. And I will post this uh, on my website, finframeworks.com. Okay, so we have our earnings base for today. This is what we think owners' earnings are for Berkshire Hathaway at the end of 2022. Now we have to translate that into 
future earnings and a company valuation based on that. So we've made our assumptions about future growth. We're projecting out 10 years, and I'm using numbers that are conservative so that when reality varies, the assumed numbers will even out the ups and downs of those realities. The 10% growth in earnings, a 4.5% discount rate for inflation and risk. So performing the two-step process of compounding the 28 plus billion out 10 years, I can either use a calculator or I can use the Excel future value function. I can do it year by year or just list all the years. And after I've listed an amount for each year, the cash flows that are generated for that year, I then take that cash flow generated amount, let's say 42, uh, we're up to 42 billion by the end, it's 32 billion the following year, it's 34 billion in year two, and so on. So I take those numbers and I now discount them by the 4.5%. And that's that is compounded as well. So that it's not, it's, I apply the 4.5% once in the first year, I apply it twice in the second year, so on and so forth. After doing all of that, after projecting the growth out and then discounting it back by the 4.5%, my calculation is cash flows of 380 billion over the 10 years. That is my estimate of what you would be buying if you bought Berkshire Hathaway today. Buffett is very clear. He says, you are buying the earnings of the company. When you buy a stock, you're buying the earnings of a company. So I am buying $380 billion worth of earnings. More if we go out farther, but let's just stick with the 10 years. Sticking with the way that Buffett likes to do things, he has said that he prefers to look at a whole business rather than a per share value. He likes to think of himself as a business owner not somebody just holding a paper stock certificate. So our final step is to compare the results. I'm buying 380 billion of future earnings. I compare that with today's market capitalization of Berkshire Hathaway. That market capitalization, according to Yahoo Finance, on May 10th, 2023, is $713.5 billion. I've calculated that the future earnings are 380 billion. That's what it's worth today. So there is no margin of safety. And in fact, Berkshire Hathaway is priced higher than those earnings using the discounted cash flow method. I mentioned earlier, and I'll say it again, I'll post these calculations on my website. So if we look at the last two podcasts, being able to calculate owner's earnings is sensible and it's a useful tool to look at what a business is worth and what it's doing with its retained earnings and what it's going to be like in the future. So using the DCF method, we would not purchase Berkshire Hathaway. What this does is it causes us to look at how a business creates earnings and that is a valuable fundamental skill to have. If we look back at the items that we brought in to owner's earnings, we can look at the income where the operating income came from in the annual report to get a better understanding of what came from insurance, what came from their railroad operations, what came from energy. And we look at the last item, 
presented, they, on a five-year average, spend $14 billion maintaining the equipment, the plants, the physical facilities, etc., for the entire company. So they are reinvesting in it. So maybe we decide we do want a company that's going to produce 10%, and I don't mind paying a premium. That is how you figure out what you are going to buy and what you're not going to buy. A formula like owner's earnings gets at the underlying assumptions. They have to be realistic and practical. And that is what prepares you to wade through the accounting and the legalese that fills annual reports to find the numbers that are meaningful. That's also one of the reasons why I like using Berkshire Hathaway as an example. It is a large, complicated, diversified business, but their financial statements are translatable and they're very clear. As always in Financial Frameworks podcasts, I leave you with a problem and a question. So on margin of safety, a good exercise would be to select a company that you are interested in and apply the two-step owner's earnings and discounted cash flow calculations to estimate the value of the company. So pick a, a stock that you're interested in, do the calculations, and I will do the same thing. I will select a stock that uh, I've been following, and I'll post the calculations there along with the Berkshire Hathaway. Number two, at the time of this podcast, May 9th, two significant threats to the financial market stability are looming. First, the failure to resolve the U.S. government's debt ceiling issue, and secondly, how account holders and regional banks will fare in the next several weeks. We've been told that the worst of the banking crisis is over, um, but that's what we've been told. Do we know that? Do you know that? Do I know that? Since we're talking about margin of safety, I'll ask you two questions, with the second one being the really important one. The first question is, how safe do you believe your investments are in case one or both of these issues, the debt ceiling or the banks, turns the stock market upside down? Secondly, and this is the important question, what is your conscious strategy? I ask that question because that is different than asking, what are you going to do? If I asked you what you were going to do, you might not consider it seriously because the scope is too big. It's very hard to focus on that. And a good portion of the answer to the question I am asking you is, a, is emotional, not simply logical. So again, my question is, what is your conscious strategy? I recommend that you write that down because things will happen and you want to fare well, you want to be prepared, and you want to be as clear as you possibly can be. That covers it for margin of safety for today. Next time, we'll look at both margin of safety and earnings by examining at least one variation on the discounted cash flow model, and we'll be looking at the work of Bruce Greenwald at Columbia University. He's been active in this area for a long time, and he wrote an excellent book called Value Investing from Graham to Buffett and Beyond. Thank you for listening. I hope that this has been helpful and useful. Sustainable earnings that you can hold on to are the objective. Mike Lehan, Financial Frameworks. Thank you.